Lord, we give you honor this morning, Father. God, we come in your presence, Father, because of who you are, God, in our lives. Mighty King of glory, God, I, as we sang that song, Lord, I, I see us standing on the door waiting to send somebody in the, in the past to go and intercede for us, God. But Father, you, you go in there and you tear down the veil, God, and you, you swing those doors open, God, and we, we, you got us an opportunity to run to you, God. To run to you, O King of glory, and come in your presence. That there's no hindrance between us and you, God. Mighty King of glory, I praise you for that. I thank you, Father, because you are such a personal God. I pray, God, that as, as we hear this message today, God, that, that it will be your message, God. That you will answer any questions anybody is asking today, King of glory, God. That you have a God, whatever is in their mind, oh God, that you will answer it, God. Not expecting from man, God. I pray, Father, that you may move me out of the way completely, 100%, oh God. So you can speak to your people, God, because you know their hearts. You know their minds, oh God. You know their fear. You know their strength, oh King of glory. I praise you and I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are continuing with 2 Samuel 2, and we're going to read from verse 1 to um, 11. So it happened after, after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the city of Judah? And the Lord said say to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go? He said to, then the Lord said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinom and Jezarites, and, Abig- and Abigail, uh, Ahinom the Jezarites, and Abigail, the window of the neighbor. And, and David brought, um, brought up um, uh, the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the city of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king of the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh, Gilad, were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent message to them, to the men of Jabesh Gilad, and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown kindness uh, to the Lord, to, to, the, to your Lord, to Saul, and you have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. Also, I also will repay you with kindness because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hand be strengthened and be vigilant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me a king over them. But Abdan, the king of Nea, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over. Brought him over to Mahanam and made him king over Gilad, over the, those guys, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, over the Israel. Ishbosheth, oh my goodness, Saul's son was 40 years when he began to reign over Israel and reigned for two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And this time that David was king of Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So if you have been, uh, if you have been following up with our Sunday service, we've been talking about up to this point. So what has happened to this point? So if you haven't listened, go back and listen. But what has happened to this point is David is still in the lands of the Philistines. And before this point, he has, encouraged, he has experienced discouragement. He has, this, uh, uh, he has uh, experienced despair. He's running away from Saul. He, he was running away from King Saul. And then he was, at some point, he was hanging out with the enemies. And now he's kind of back to his senses. And then he is now, Saul is dead, and now he's king. Yeah. That time frame. And this moment right here is a crucial moment. Super crucial moment. Because when you think about it, this is a chance for him now to become king. 
right? And we look back, we see that David was anointed by Samuel when he was a little baby. When he was a little boy in the wilderness. So when uh, I looked at the commentary and they said it was about 15 to 20 years from the time that he was told he's going to be king. Okay? And so he's waiting and now a moment has come and now he's finally going to be king. I don't know if you guys watch Lion King, but I just think about, I just can't wait to be king, right? <laughs> My people, Lion King, okay. <laughs> right? And so it's that moment where he's been waiting. He's been waiting. God promised something and God said, I am going to make you king. But then life, stuff, distraction, all these things, sidetracked by things. But now he has a moment here to finally get what he wanted. Right? And he does what every good Bible-loving Christian who serves Christ would do. He inquires of the Lord. Shall I go up to any city of Judah? And God answered him and said, go up. And as a good Christian, the one I described up here, he sets out with God's blessings. Amen? Amen. No, he doesn't. Good job. One person said that. Were you in first service? <laughs> so, no. The Bible says that the Lord said to him, go up. David said, where shall I go? And then he asked, no, the, 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 uh, David says, where should, uh, shall I go up to any city of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. But then he asked a follow-up question. Where shall I go up? And I want you to think about that moment right there. So David has been waiting for 20 years, 15 to 20 years, to become king. And finally, there's an opportunity for him to become king. And he asked God, where should I go? Should I go to the city? And he says, go. If it was me, I wouldn't wait for another question. I'd be like, let's go. I'm going to be king, right? I can't wait to be king. But David asked for a follow-up question. He asked Shall I go? He asked, where shall I go? See, he asked for further directions. And man, do we miss this mark. Do we miss this mark when, when God comes to us and, and he's spoken something in our life. And we take what he's spoken in our life at that point, And we never ask where we should go or where we should do. We just set out. God says, you're going to be this. And you're like, God, this is taking forever. I need to do my thing. And you continue to go. Sometimes we hear him, but then we take over the conversation. Yeah. Like, I know, God, you're saying this, but let me tell you, this is a better way for me to do it. Right? Other times we, we argue with him. They're like, Lord, I know you've said this is where I need to go. Then why, you know, I got this, Lord. It's all good. Another time we ignore him. There's so many things that we do. But we miss the point. It's interesting because uh, when I thought about this, we, my, wife and, uh, my wife Eva and the kids, we, we had a vacation to California this summer. So, you know, we planned for the vacation. It's an amazing time. You're like, man, I'm waiting for this. It's going to be great. It's going to be so cool because we're going to go to We used to live in California, so we had to go show our girls all the places that we went to. We were in California. So it was amazing. So I, I go on the map, and I look, and I'm like, well, we cannot drive all the way to California. So we're going to drive for about nine hours. We're going to stop in Eureka, California, and spend the night there. 
right? So break it out. We have time. It was good, right? So I look up and it says nine hours. So I'm good. You know, I look at the map. I did all my due diligence and everything is good. So the day of, we come, we start driving. As we drive, first of all, we had talked and said, we're going to use 101 because it's scenic and then we'll be able to just enjoy it. Have you guys done 101 before? Drive? It's beautiful, right? So I drive into, we, we drive and we get to Olympia. Once we get to Olympia, I see 101, and I'm like, babe, this is 101. I'm like, the GPS says keep going. I'm like, nah, we get 101, that's what's up, right? <laughs> so we drive onto 101, and the GPS keeps saying, turn around, turn around. I'm like, technology, man, I know where we are. <laughs> like, we got this, right? So we keep driving and driving, and I see the ocean next to it, and I'm like, we're enjoying it, we are stopping for pictures. But I'm like a little concerned because I knew it was nine hours, but we've been driving for about seven hours, and there is no Eureka close by. <laughs> I look at the GPS, and it says, you have seven more hours to go. I do my math and I'm like, seven plus seven is not nine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so we, we are like, man, at some point I think Eva was saying, let's, let's just pull up to a city and, and see what's up. So I'm like, we got it, we are doing, there's something wrong with the GPS, we'll find something that works. But at that point, my heart is like a little shaken too, because I'm like, man, I think we did the wrong thing. <laughs> anyway, long story short, we, we drive into, uh, I don't remember which city it was and we go grab something to eat. And for some weird reason, I'm like, let me look at how far I am from home. And I tap in the GPS, and it says, you are 2.5, you are, you are two and a half hours from your house. <laughs> so we've been driving, because I'm arguing with the GPS. I know the destination. I know where we need to go, but then I don't want to keep checking on this thing or this person who's telling me that I created you and had a plan for you, and I'm not sure you, I know where you are going, and I know the best route for you, but yet I keep fighting back, and then I look back, I've only gone this far, where else if I listened to who was leading me, I would be this far. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man. In my life, because um, the GPS kept telling me, use this route to go to I-5, and I'm like, no, I do not want I-5. I need 101 because I want to see this. It's going to be beautiful, an amazing trip for me. But I see that's what we do in our life. God is saying, I know the destination, and I've already told you where I'm taking you. But it gets to a point where we drive up to Olympia, and we get to, like, Lord, I see the sign there. I'm not going to ask a follow-up question. I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to walk and do my own thing. And then seven hours later, you have barely gone anywhere. You should have slept in. That would have been a better option. <laughs> see, it's sad that we have him who knows our destiny, who knows our journey path. Yeah, we tell God, I got it from here, Lord. Take me back to 101, take me back to 101 Lord. See, I, I believe in people, and I believe that half the time, the intentions we have are good. But we do not adhere to the steps that are laid out in the Bible for us, that guides us in order, us to, in order for us to end up where God wants us. So this morning, I want to talk to you about going up. A time has come when we have to put effort 
to live where we are and move closer to where God is, where God is calling us. Because when I look at this Christian walk, man, it's, it's not an easy one. It is not an easy one. The enemy will bring disappointment. He's going to bring deception. He's going to distract us from the things of God. And he's going to try to get us out of the goal. But we have to watch out. Ephesians 6.12 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the prosperity, against the power, against the rulers um, of uh, the darkness of ages, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. We do not fight against the things that we see. And if we don't fight against the things, if we don't fight against the things that we see, why are we trying to fight this battle, knowing that there is one who already knows, who sees the spiritual world, who knows what He's called us to do, but yet we want to do it on our own way? We have to look up to Him, He who has called us, who already knows, who has created us for a purpose, who's calling us to do what we need to do. John 10.10 10 says that thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so you may have life and that you may have life abundantly. God is here so you can have life. Amen. You don't have to find yourself going in circles trying to accomplish something on your own because Christ is here to guide you and walk with you. Amen. So I know some of you are asking, like, I know I try. How do I overcome this? How do I successfully run the race that I've, that's before me? How do I go up to where God is sending us? Well, I'm glad you're here. My first point is this. Get up. Get up. And I was thinking about this, and for the longest time in my life, I've prided myself as a person who, you know, I'm not a morning person. That's a label I put myself. I'm not a morning person, right? And I could have proven to you why I was so productive at night and how things were going so well. But it got to a point where I was aware that there are some things which are not happening in my life. And I'm like, what's going on? So I started researching and looking and I realized that if I have to accomplish everything that I need to do, I need to wake up around 5.30, 6 o'clock, get my things going so then I can be able to tackle the rest of the stuff. But there had to be a moment where I had to acknowledge that even though I pride myself in the things that I say I am, I had to know that there is something more than that. I had to acknowledge my failures in order for me to do something different. Because if I keep doing the same thing, I'm going to get the same results. Yes. So today I'm asking you to acknowledge where you are in your Christian walk. I'm asking you to get up, whatever that looks like. I'm asking you to be aware of where you are and get up. David has spent this period of his life running and watching his back. And now it was time for him to go in order, it was time for him to go. And in order for him to go, he had to get up. Today I'm asking somebody to, to get up spiritually. We have to, be a, we have to have a spiritual awareness. We have to ask ourselves, where am I? What am, what am I doing? What has God told me that he's going to do? What do I need to do in my part? See, what had sustained David to this point would not be sufficient for what was ahead of him. And today I hear God telling you guys that what has sustained you to this point, whatever you have sustained you to this point is not going to be sufficient for the journey ahead. Yeah. 
we need to focus. We need to, we need to, we need to get up and look at Christ. What I love about it is David realized that he didn't have the strength to move on to the next step. It was so easy for him to take that point and just keep going. But he knew that he needed step-by-step direction. So he inquired of the Lord. Are you inquiring of the Lord today when you do your life? Are you inquiring of the Lord when you do life? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And Spurgeon says, God does not only think of you, but towards you. His thoughts are all drifting towards you. Think about that. God not only think about you, but his thoughts are drifting towards you. I think about when you fall in love, and you're just doing life, and you're daydreaming, and your thoughts just drift to the one that you love. That's, how, that's what happened to God. His thoughts are drifting towards you. He wants to guide you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. That's how much he cares about you. See, the devil is working so hard to keep us down, to keep those plans in check. David, for the longest, he had, he had battled so much. And now it was a time for him to get a different identity. See, we are not immune to staying down or, getting, you know, or not getting up. Sometimes I, I hear people say that, you know, I, they'll, they'll talk about this is who I am, like something happened, well, this is who I am. They say, this always happens. That's my luck. Right? And I'm immune to that. I'm not immune to that. That's my luck. Oh, yeah, nothing ever works out. Oh, I never get this. Oh, I don't do this. See, David, at this moment right here, over 20 years, 15, 20 years, he was the person who was not the king. But a moment had to come in his life when he had to look up and realize that he was being called to shed off any labels that he had before this point and move on to what God was calling him. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody today. Yeah. I'm speaking to somebody today who you are like, the devil has beaten you so much and kept you so down that you've labeled yourself as this person. And even when the devil is not beating you, you're still calling yourself this person. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to do this. God does not love me. God doesn't care for me. He does, why he's doing all this thing? Those are the lies of the enemy. Today God is calling you and telling you, I died on the cross so I can give you a different identity. A new identity. We are not immune to staying down. We are really not. It's a constant, constant looking to God. See, I see this story in a, of Elijah, a man who was, who was called by God. A man who caught a drought for three years. He prayed and there was a drought for three years. A man that caused fire from the heaven and it comes and it consumes the sacrifice. A man that walks with God. But I also see a man who runs. A man in 1 Kings 19.3 says Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. But he went to be a Sheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone to the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no longer, in, I'm, no long, I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. At this point, Elijah had done so much for God. 
If there was somebody who walked with God at this point, it was Elijah. And when you think about these things, you'd think he would be immune from looking down. Right? right? Looking at himself. Right? And we look at here where it says, Then he laid down, verse 5, He laid down and slept under the bloom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread and a hot stone and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, and the journey ahead of you, for the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. See, you think about when you read the Bible, stuff like that is like, God is all capable. He could have just given Elijah the spirit to just have that and continue. But a time has to come where he had to participate. He had to get up. A time has to come where he has to want it. Right? And God is so good because God would have said, hey, get up and go hunt and be able to eat. But God provides for him. Because he knows and he cares. Today, God is calling you and telling you to get up. My second point is this. Look up. Sometimes looking up is not easy. Especially when you are weighed down by the things of this world. Sometimes our focus is on the wrong thing. And no matter how much God, God says look up, we get ourselves all looking down for various reasons. You know, when you think about it, when you're having a bad day, when you're having a bad week, when you're having things going on, people don't look at your face and say, hey man, you, you look up. Yeah. People look at you and say, you look yeah. down, right? Five of you, thank you. Okay. People look at you and say, you look down, right? Because what happened is, we get so weighed by the enemy, so much that we are not even able to focus on Christ at all. We are not able to focus on anything good because the devil brings destruction. He brings all these things that takes our eyes from Christ. And so we just keep looking down. But if you had somebody who was, if you had a day when you're looking down, if you forced yourself to look up, then things will start getting a little bit better, right? Hebrew 12, 1 says, Therefore we also, we also, since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which, which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before you. We have to fight to look up. Yeah. Every single day you are in a battle. There will be no time when you wake up and you're like, whoa, the devil has left me today. It's going to be an amazing day. I'm just going to walk in God's glory. Right? And especially those days when you're feeling good. And it's interesting when you are doing something and God is working through you. That's, that's when you see the most battle. Seven of you. So, in it through that, when you are going through everything, you're doing amazing, you're in your word, you're praying, life is good, that's when you get the most battle. Because the enemy doesn't want you to look up to Christ. Right? And so, we have to fight to look up. Psalms 121, 1-8 says, I looked up to the mountain, does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let me stumble, and one, uh, the one who watches over me will, will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shed. 
The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and as you go, both now and forever. Saints, this is your promise to hold on to. He's saying the Lord watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Think about that. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants you. That's how much he wants your heart. That he stands beside you as you're shared from all the things that would happen. See, it is possible to look up even when things are hard and don't make any sense. It is possible to look up when things are hard and don't make any sense. And we see that in Abraham's life. Genesis 22, 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham looked up. Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkeys. Then I will go to Yoda and worship, and we'll come back to you. See, in this story, Abraham, seeming as David, had waited for a promise. He had waited for a promise to have a son. And now he had a son. And he was grateful to God. But then God says, I need you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham, because he's obedient, he says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. See, when you read the Bible, if you read it, most people think God talked to Abraham. Abraham took Isaac and he he was going to sacrifice the following day. The Bible says that the journey took three days. I want you to sink in for a minute. You've had these things you've been waiting for God to do. The thing that God has already spoken in your life. The person that you're going to be, the generation that's going to come after you. But God is saying, here you go. But even though he did not understand, he kept walking and walking and walking and walking. And it got to a point where he had to look up to be able to see where God was going to perform the the biggest miracle we've had. He had to do that. So we can't say that we cannot be able to look up when things are going. I know for sure nobody has told you that you need to go sacrifice your child at all. Yet, he had the power to be able to look up. So you can't, tell your, you can't say, oh, I do not have the power to look. If you know who you are looking at, you'll be able to look up. Amen. See, it's very easy for us to look at our own ability, our reasoning, like, God, this does not make any sense. Why would you give me a son and then you want to take him away from me? God, you know, seriously, you stay generation, so there's no reason for me to really sacrifice him because, I mean, the generation is going to come from him. Who else is going to happen, right? And it might be, we are talking about Abraham right now, but how many times has God told you to do something, yet we walk in every single day, we're telling him why we shouldn't do it, even though he's the one that gave you that promise. Yeah. David could have looked at his situation and say, most of the Israelites are following another king. But now, but no, he knew that God had anointed him king and he had to look up. Because when you read the story, David for 15, 20 years, he's waiting for God to make him king, right? And he's going through a lot of stuff. And so if it was me, 
I got to a point where I'm now Saul, who was trying to kill me, is dead, and he's, he's the king over Israel. I expect that I'm going to step in, and I'm going to be king over everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? But what happens? David is only king of one tribe. I'm like, Lord, this does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Because, Lord, you've promised, you've done this, you've said all these things, but they don't make sense to me. So you start reasoning with God and trying to do your own way in order for you to be able to acquire with what that God forgot to give you. But David doesn't do that. David inquires of the Lord. You know, it's interesting because as you, as you read this, David actually goes in and later on he becomes a king over Israel. Because he waited on the Lord. He looked up to God. See, this morning I want to remind you that though your situation may look different from what God has promised, He's still the promise keeper. He's still the miracle worker. He's still the light in the darkness. And guess what? That is who he is. He does not change. My third point is this. Stand up. Do you know who you are? Do you know your identity in Christ? Thank you, Pastor Shelley. (laughs) See, the Bible says that you are purchased with a price. That you are God's beloved. And I want to take this moment right here to actually remind you what that looks like. That God had one son. And he's like, kind of Abraham, I need you to, he's cousin, he's going to sacrifice him. And Jesus died on the cross. As God says, when we sing that song, like God looks away when his son was being slain. And he doesn't do that so he can make it in the book. He can write the book and still you guys will worship him. But he does that because he loves you. Yes. And I'm here to remind you that because the devil is going to try to keep you down and try to show you how much God does not love you, God actually truly, truly loves you. Yes. That his son died for you. Yes. I don't think any of you would give their kid to die for anybody. I wouldn't. But God did that for you. He did that because he says you are a child of God. So today I'm asking you to stand up and recognize who you are. That you are a child of God. And kind of like I said first service, if there was a time you'd be excited in this part of the message, it would be this moment when I say you are a child of God. David knew that he was a child of God. That God had given him the strength to fight the lions, to fight the bear, to kill Goliath, to, stay, to escape uh, Saul from Saul. And God was still going to do the same. When we ask, when he asked, shall I go up? Where shall I go? He's asking his dad. He's asking somebody he's had a relationship with. He's asking somebody who has proven over time and time that he's faithful. And so he's hanging on to that faith. Psalms 103 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. He who, made, he who made us and not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You are God's people. You need to stand up like you are God's people. You need to stand up like you are God's people. And I'm talking about like it might not start out as I'm puffed up and I'm going to stand up. It's a spiritual standing up where you realize that the devil has just been tossing you back and forth because you have forgotten who you are. 
He's tossed you to a point where you are now just sitting on a spiritual couch, flipping a spiritual remote just to see how what is over there be entertained and see what's there because you have forgotten that you need to participate in who God has called you to be. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You need to get up. You need to dust up. You need to look up. You got to know who you are. And sometimes you have to tell yourself enough time that I am a child of God. There are some times when I'm walking in life, man, and things are happening and I'm like, this does not make any sense. And I'm just going around the room. I'm like, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And the enemy cannot touch me because I am a child of God. And man, that's from the Bible. That's not a motivational thing. That's what God is saying. I'm, I'm grabbing what his promise and says, God, I'm holding you to your promises of who you said I am. You got to know who you are. Ephesians uh, 1, 1, 1 to 5. Blessed be the God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. See, you have been adopted as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And see, it's easy. People say it's so hard to die to self, but it's really, really, really easy to die to self, to completely die to self when you know who you are, who you are dying to self so he can take over. It's easy to completely die to self and surrender our desires, our ideas, our plan when we know who we are. When we know who we are and when we know that God is the one that's guiding us. Because if a stranger came to me and said, I need you to surrender A, B, C, D, I'll be like, man, I don't know you. Right? But if my wife and said, hey, I need you to do this for me and I need you to do this, I'll be like, honey, I know you. I'll spend time with you. It's easy to surrender. Hey, honey, can I get your wallet? Yes, here you go. Right? It's so easy. But if you do not know Christ, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know that you are the child of God, then how is it going to be easy for you to surrender to Christ? Yeah, it's going to be hard for you to surrender to Him. Yeah. See, one of the things that my girls do, I have two girls, uh, Simone and Alisa, one of the things when we put them to bed sometimes, I don't think they've done that in like a couple of weeks, but what they'll do, they'll, they'll stand on top of the bed and they'll tell me, Daddy, step back a little bit. Okay, one. Three more steps. Okay, one, two, three. Come on, let's go to bed right now. It's late. Okay? And then, they'll put your hands up. And they will jump, and I'll catch them. And man, do I catch them. Oh, man. I have never missed catching them. I have never missed catching them. Right? But see, this is the thing that the picture God is creating here is like, do you trust God to that essence where you can, God can tell you, hey, I want you to do this. And I'm like, Lord, I don't, you've called me to this. I'm walking in this. I don't care where I fall, but I know you're going to hold me. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? See, my girls have faith that I'll catch them. They know that I'm not going to let them fall. And man, I would do anything in my life to make sure they don't fall. Of course, because I want to spend time in the ER. But anyways, I do not want, I cannot let them fall. Because that's the faith that I've built. And when I look at God's faithfulness in my life, when I look at what God has done, there is no time that I told God, I'm jumping and he let me fall. 
So why can I not submit to him? Because he's already done it before. See, David knew his position through many trials and hardship. He knew that his dad was great. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? And if you do, you need to stand up. Tap the person next to you and say, you need to stand up. That was pretty weak, but I'll let you go. (laughs) My fourth point is this. Keep looking up. See, we've recognized that we need to get up so that we can look up so we can stand up. Now I'm asking you to look up again. But this time round, I'm asking you to keep looking up. See, sometimes we are so busy, we are so busy, we look up, we hear what God is saying, and we take it, but before he's done, we look down and we start doing our little things. Right? Right? Sometimes we hear God tell us what he, what he wants us to do, and in the middle of him talking, instead of keep looking up, we look down and we don't hear what he has to say. We don't even comprehend, because sometimes we, 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 we tell God and we listen to respond, not listen to understand what he's saying. But God is asking you to keep looking up. We have to train ourselves to keep the eyes on Jesus. We have to train ourselves to ignore the distractions because the devil is going to bring stuff when everything is going well. He's going to bring stuff in your life. He's going to bring stuff in your community. He's going to bring stuff in your church that's going to get you away from focusing on Jesus because that's what he does. He knows that if I distract you enough, if I distract you enough, then guess what? You're not going to be looking at me at all. See, we see Jesus here in one instance, he's preaching the crowds and he dismisses them and says, uh, he dismisses his disciples and tells them, get in a boat and continue going to the other side, I'll meet you there. And then he dismisses the crowd and he goes to pray. And you know, part of this, I, I read the Bible and I ask myself a question, I'm like, so Jesus is, you know, um, fellowshipping with people, tells the disciples, get on a boat, come on, I'll meet you guys on the other side. It's somebody who asks God, like, excuse me, sir, how are you going to get on the other side? Right? Okay, just me. Okay. But I will move on. Okay. So Jesus goes to pray and he 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 walks on water and catches catches up with the disciples. Matthew 14, 28 to 30 says, Lord, if you if, if uh, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down on the boat, got, got out of the boat, walked on water, and came to Jesus. So Peter got up, he looked up, and he stood up. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught his hand. You have little faith, he says. Why do you doubt me? And when he had climbed the boat, the wind died. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. Truly, you are the Son of God. See, when Peter jumped out of the boat, it was because he had seen Jesus. But when he got distracted by the things that were happening around him, he started to sink. See, there's a lot that happens in, in the water. The Bible doesn't tell us what time, it could probably tell us what time it was, but it, maybe there was a wreck over here. Maybe there was people who were trying to fish. Maybe there were all these things that happened in life. Because in this world there will be troubles. There were all these things around him that were just pulling his attention. 
and is that moment because it doesn't say specifically yes he might looked at the water but before he looked at where he was he probably looked at everything else that was sinking around him but it's when he looked at Jesus that Jesus reached out and grabbed his hand now he began to sink it's only when he looked up and kept looking that his hand was caught by Jesus hashtag Jesus got you This morning, some of you have jumped out of the boat. You have faith. You trust God. And you are onto the sea now. You're walking on water towards Jesus. It's super cool because when you're walking on the water towards Jesus, the biggest thing is not even where. You don't even care about where you're stepping on because you're walking towards Jesus. Right? Because we concentrate so much that Peter walked on water. And if you ask Peter, he'd probably be like, man, I just wanted to be with Jesus. So it didn't matter whether he was floating in the air or walking on water. The fact is that he was going towards Jesus because he loves. I wonder if we don't care about what's around us and all we do is try to walk towards Jesus. Keep your eyes on him alone, lest you get distracted. David goes on to be anointed king. David goes on to be anointed king of, of Judah and eventually ruling the other tribes of Israel, as we are going to see in the coming week. He goes, he goes to do that. That even in the midst of all these things, that he continued to look up to Christ. I don't know where you are today. If you need to get up, get rid of, your, get, get rid of the sin in your life. Submit fully to the one who knows you, the one who sh- you want, who the one who knows where you should go. I don't know whether you've been trying to do it in your own strength, but God is saying, "I will give you the hand and pull you up. You just need to look up. You just need to get up." Today is a perfect day for you to give your life to Christ and change your direction if you haven't given your life to Christ. Maybe you've gotten up, and now it's time for you to look up. To change your focus. Because just the fact that you get up, you have to look at Christ. Otherwise, everything around you is going to distract you. Focus on what is true. Focus on who loves you. Focus on Christ who cares for you. Or you're here and you've gotten up and you looked up and you just need to stand so you can have the strength to move to what God has called you. You just need a reminder that you are a child of God. Well, this is your reminder that a great price was paid for you. A great price was paid for you. So then that way you can look up to Christ. Or you're here and you've gotten up, you look and you know God. But distractions and things around you are keeping your eyes from Christ. So much happening around you so much that the devil knows that if he makes a noise over here, you're just going to turn towards it. That if there's a scream over here, you're just going to turn towards it and you're not going to look at Christ. Today God is saying that you will sink. It doesn't matter how far you've walked off the boat. You will sink unless you keep distraction out of your sight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you today, God. I thank you for your word, God, because I know, Lord, I, I ask you and you're faithful. I said, speak to every person in their heart, God. And speak to that point, Lord, where they hear and they can get the answers they are looking for, Jesus. 
God, I love that part where you say, God, that your thoughts drift towards me, God. Such an unworthy person, such an unworthy, sinful people, God, and you, your thoughts drift towards us, oh God. Father, I praise you for that. I pray, Jesus, Lord, that you may speak to every person's heart, God, and I pray a covering over that word in the name of Jesus. And if today you haven't given your life to Christ, this is the best opportunity to do that. Go ahead and raise your hand. We'll have somebody pray for you. God is calling you. He's done all this today for you so you can come to him. And if you have gone away from Christ, you, you used to walk with Christ and, you know, not that you had a bad week, but you've been far from Christ. Same thing, raise your head, we'll pray with you. Because God is saying it's time for you to come back home. And for the rest of us, whatever part this message spoke to you, I pray that God will reveal that in your heart. I pray that you may know that he's amazing. We praise you and we honor you, Jesus. Amen.